Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Snippet. The short podcast platform. Hello, my friend, and welcome to The Closet Space. My name is Vic Ravindran, and I have been gay my whole fucking life. But I didn't say so for 20 years. And I'm far from the only one who has kept a part of themselves hidden away for so long. So every week, I talk to amazing individuals who have come out of the closet in some form or another, whether they're part of the LGBTQIA community, or even if they've come out of closets we don't often talk about, like having an invisible disability or simply leaving their way of life behind. Hopefully these conversations will serve as a joyful reminder that there is an abundant world of opportunity beyond the closet door for those prepared to open it. And for those of you who aren't quite ready yet, I hope this show is a sign that there are so many people who are excited to meet you when you do make that choice. This week, I am so lucky to be joined by my friend Stephen Rains. Stephen is a highly accomplished and decorated poet and educator whose coming out journey served as a launchpad for his career. And his career has been lovingly and tirelessly dedicated to the preservation and documentation of queer experiences and history. Without further ado, my conversation with Stephen. You're listening to The Closet Space, a production of Snippet. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining me on The Closet Space podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You've got quite the resume. You are a published poet of over a dozen collections of poetry. You're an educator for LGBT youth, those living with HIV and LGBT seniors, the first poet laureate of West Hollywood. You're also a 14-time recipient of the LA County's Department of Cultural Affairs Artist in Residency grant. Uh, what don't you do? <laughs> Sleep. That's, oh. <laughs> that's something I don't do often. So you've obviously given so much of yourself to the gay community. You've shared so much of yourself through your art and through your lectures and through uh, working with LGBT youth and uh, seniors. So how did your personal entry into the LGBT community begin and how did your coming out story uh, start for you? I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri in the suburbs and it was uh, not the most, it wasn't the easiest of experiences. I was kind of out in high school and kind of not out in high school and I graduated in 1994. So it was a very different world than this is before Ellen came out, which people use as a marker of some sort. I had a fake ID at the age of 16. (laughs) And so what was so nice about that fake ID is at school, I felt so like horribly unpopular and made fun of. And then with my fake ID, I was getting into bars and clubs and I had this really rich, um, exciting life at night. And part of that was my queerness, which started off with a lot of questioning of myself. Like I, I wasn't exactly sure. And I thought if I kiss a guy then I'll know. I felt like it was kind of like overly romantic that I thought like, oh, if I, if I, you know, if you kiss someone, you'll know. It's like true love, the true love's kiss. Exactly. I remember kind of selecting someone because I didn't want them to be out. I knew a few gay, a few out gay men, and I knew that kissing them would then like 
get out or they would talk about me and I was kind of scared and intimidated about them. But I found another guy who went to a different high school. We talked and then we both kind of confessed to each other this kind of like questioning. And we talked about, I think I even propositioned, it was over the phone, like, oh, maybe we should do this. And we eventually hung out and we were um, in a convertible in a, in a parking lot of a condominium complex and we were talking and then we did kiss. I can't even tell you if the kiss answered anything at all, but it was his first time. He said it was, and it was my first time. But while we were kissing, his hand moved for my belt buckle and started unbuckling my belt and unzipping my pants. And then like right away. So it was just like this ultimate escalation that I wanted, you know, and at the same time, it scared me. And so we uh, eventually just had like oral sex and got off together in the car. And then driving home, driving him home, he was really kind of distant and really kind of um, not very conversational. And to me, it was like such an exciting uh, moment. So when I went to drop him off at his house and I went to kiss him goodbye or like I moved in, he said, oh, well, you get a hug. Oh, my God. I know. It was it was so deflating. And so um, and, and especially because I felt like he had wanted it more than I did in that moment. I wanted a kiss and he was going for, you know, something else. And that made me feel so like wanted and attractive. Sure. And. And then to to have that kind of rejection. So I went home and I wrote in my journal, which uh, I think most uh, gay boys, young gay boys, keep a journal. <laughs> so I wrote in my journal and I was really thankful to have that journal and kind of process what was going on. And the next weekend I told uh, my very good friend Stephanie Recht, who I still talk with about like, three or four times a week today um, still. So I told Stephanie, and she was, of course, very accepting. And then I read her my journal entry. It's, you know, of course, so dramatic. And as I'm reading it to her, she's laughing and loving it. And she said more than once while I was reading it, like, you should become a writer. You should be a writer. It was the first time someone suggested that I was good at something. You know, I always felt so untalented and uncoordinated at sports and here someone was like actually encouraging me towards a path or a future. And so I just like thought, yeah, I should. And I just blindly followed Stephanie's advice and I I keep doing it. That's incredible. Well, it's a, an amazing starting point too, because it not only feels like it kind of jumpstarted your journey of coming out, but also feels like it jumpstarted your career now of being a writer. Yeah, it was a moment of spontaneous combustion. Just that um, to have these two things that are so big in my life happen in that exact same moment. It's what ignited my writing or my seeing myself as an artist and as a writer when being given writing prompts later on in college where I studied creative writing or just on my own. I kept going back to that experience with Michael in the car and just mining it. And it was the experience I mined the most to write about. It, it felt obsessive almost at times because I think I was trying to figure out what really happened in that moment and how we had such different expectations and experiences. And, you know, Michael, at least for the time being, for him, it was 
something that scared him and he didn't want to be a part of anything gay. Where I, on the other hand, wanted more. I don't even know if I was looking for a love connection then or what. I was really taken aback by him grabbing my belt. I mean, I was fully consensual and for it and, you know, 16 years old and full of hormones and jacking off every night. So it was just like, for me, you know, part of writing about Michael so often was that he was part of my gay roots. Definitely. And I think in talking to some other guests on this show that that time can be extremely formative if it's just the crush that you had that didn't talk to you or the crush that did end up kissing you, those first few moments of exploration and kind of discovering that side of yourself and who you can be and what the possibilities are basically on the other side of the closet door, it is such an eye-opening experience and it really can cement a lot of your thought process going into the rest of your path of gay discovery. So how did your first writing experience, first writing that journal entry that you wrote after you Uh, met with Michael that night. How did that spur itself into more books, more poetry collections, uh, and eventually into your kind of long-term career as a writer? Yeah, so I just kept writing. And I kept reading people that would inspire me. And the thing about great writing is it just inspires you to do more. And that's how it happens. So then I went to college and I studied creative writing. And then very soon after college, I... At the age of 25, I had my first book published, and it was called Your Dead Body is My Welcome Mat, which is taken from a line from The Color Purple. And that really just kind of launched me into a completely different world. For me, I always saw that book as kind of, I think in I think in rock climbing, it's called a cam, where you leave, it's like a bolt and a boulder, so the next climber can hoist themselves up on it. So I kind of saw that book as that, you know, I think in a way it's kind of helping normalize other people's experience, helping educate and hopefully inspire people to tell their stories. And that's something that you do not only via your written work, but that's something that you do as an educator and as a teacher. You help fellow LGBT people in our community to write or to share their autobiographical work. Uh, based on their experiences as a member of our community. So can you tell me a little bit more about that project and um, how you got started with it? When the my first book came out, like I was saying at 25, I kept being told by people that they didn't like poetry. <laughs> Who are these people? Well, yeah, and I, I thought, like, how disappointing that the po- what they know of poetry is what was given to them in high school. And right. especially queer people, where I felt like writing saved my life. And I thought like, oh, I wonder if it could save other people's lives. And I want to introduce it to them. So I started teaching writing workshops to LGBTQ youth groups. I started doing it so often that when I would travel, I would be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm in Denver. I'll teach one in Denver while I'm here and volunteer to do that. And, and then soon there, there kind of became a demand and I kept getting invited to teach places. And so I was then teaching writing workshops across the country. I soon um, started writing workshops for people living with HIV. And I, my first writing prompt was always write about your first experience, which makes sense because that's what really inspired me. I also feel like your first sexual experience is so emotionally loaded that it's easy for people to tap into it and write about it. And I got so scared. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm asking these, like, I'm asking like people my grandmother's age to write porn. You know, like that's (laughs) what I felt like. After the writing prompt and people wrote, I asked who wanted to read their work to the class. Every single elderly person in that room raised their hand. 
That's amazing. And the stories they told were so touching and moving. And I still remember one woman writing about being in a car and sliding over the bench seat. Remember bench seats and and old vintage cars? Yeah. Yeah. Uh That she was 16 and they were like necking um, by the lake and, and how she slid over next to him while he was behind the wheel. And I started to think about how, you know, I'd spent all this time like traveling and teaching youth. And then this perception I have about like, why didn't I think that seniors would be sexual or talk about their experiences? And then I realized like here we have this aging group of queer baby boomers like why their life is just as important of saving and giving voice and helping them share their voices as it is youth. And so for it's probably 17 years now, I've been teaching an autobiographical poetry writing workshop to LGBTQ seniors. I edited an anthology of their work. It's called My Life is Poetry. It's it's great. I'm so inspired by their work. I love doing it. I am deeply committed to it. I'm thankfully given a grant to do it. And so I love that our government is paying to document queer voices. That feels so subversive to me. (laughs) Also, what happens is it creates community. So a lot of these seniors that meet through my workshop are now hanging out and doing a bunch of other things together. Perfect. Other things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a library of uh, experiences. We... It's something that, you know, obviously we should be asking every human to do before they they leave the earth because, you know, we'd be a fool to repeat history. But also just, you know, there's so much worth in every, not only every queer person who's walked the earth, but just the stories that we all experience and how much there is a takeaway from each of them. And it's such an incredible thing that you do to be able to uh, bring that out of people and at least give them the opportunity to share their story, or if not share their story, write it down for their own personal sake. Yeah, and that's what you're doing with this podcast too, is you're having people uh, tell and share their experience. We'll be right back with more from The Closet Space. You're listening to The Closet Space, a production of Snippet. Welcome back to The Closet Space. My conversation with poet and educator Stephen Rains continues. Your other project, The Gay Rub, has taken you all over the world. Um, and so if people are unaware of The Gay Rub, it's an exhibition project uh, from which you take rubbings from LGBT landmarks all over the world, all over the country. And uh, just, you know, you have those etchings to hang up everywhere. And they're just, there are grave markers, there are plaques, there's uh, all sort of all of these etchings from so many different sites. How did you come up, come up with that project? And uh, where has that project taken you? Yeah, so I came up with the idea of the gay rub when when being told that a marker, I was uh, walking past, it was a marker for transgender victims of hate crime in West Hollywood. It was on, it's at Santa Monica and La Cienega. And I thought, wow, if that's the first, are there any others in the world and what do they look like? And I started thinking about how our queer history isn't, um, there aren't a lot of public commemorative markers mm-hmm. that denote events in our history. And what are those in the world? And immediately my thought is, oh, I should collect rubbings of them and show them at once. So, <laughs> so it was the thing like just in like in a moment, in like a, a second, like I had everything and I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew I wanted it on a white paper. I knew I wanted it on, with like black, uh, like charcoal, 
you know, I wanted an exhibition of only black and white, and I knew that it would tell the history, um, like our queer history told through markers. And, and so that exhibition has traveled. I'm so thrilled about it. It's participatory. So people have done rubbings all over the world for me. I've traveled all over the world doing rubbings. I also will mail people rubbings if they have a marker that they want to do to um, submit to the gay rub. It's always been a project that I've wanted to talk to you more about, <laughs> mainly because, I mean, there again, that sort of um, history of markers for gays and lesbians and transgender people memorializing our history, it's not something I'm familiar with. It's not something that I know all these sites of. So to have them, A, all in one place, and to know that there are so many, it's so enlightening, and it's also... Um, it's so heartwarming. It's so, I mean, maybe they might not be markers for the best thing, but the, the idea that we are being memorialized and hopefully in the future, these memorials will be for better things, for bigger and better things for first gay man on the moon. Uh, that will be for me. (laughs) First gay man on the moon with the podcast. That will be me. Well, you are actually very close. I don't know if you know this, but you're just walking distance from a plaque that honors uh, Christopher Street West and the first gay pride parade in Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so close to your home. It's it's right outside of a Scientology building. Oh, no, I feel afraid now. (laughs) It sounds like (laughs) a trap. But it's that thing about like how we're so unfamiliar with these markers, which is why I had to do a lot of research and on the Gay Rub website, I list the markers I'm interested in getting and having a rubbing from. So if someone in Wyoming or New York or Texas is interested in participating, but they don't even know markers nearby, they can go to the website and look them up. Well, thank you so much again for talking to me, Stephen. Your writing journey and your journey into just not only sharing your truth, but helping other people find, identify, and then write down their own truth Um, has been so inspiring to hear. And also, um, it's also reassuring knowing that there are people like you out there working with our community of all types and stripes, making sure that their history uh, is being told. Because all of us from the past and the present, those who are here, those who are not, are collectively working towards I'd like to think we are collectively working towards a better and brighter future for us. And that can only start by understanding who we are and who we have been and our history as a whole. And so the more resources that we have to be able to do that, the better. And so again, I commend you again for the incredible amount of work that you've put into building that kind of foundation for younger generations and putting that cam and that rock. (laughs) That is a new word I learned. I sound very masculine now, Uh, but just putting that uh, cam in that rock so that we can get a little bit higher up the mountain. That's so kind of you. Thank you so much for having me. Stephen, where can my listeners uh, find your work and how can they find out more about your classes and anything that you're working on? The best place to find out about workshops and projects is stephenrains.com. It's Stephen with a V. Rains is spelled R-E-I-G-N-S. And I'm on most social media platforms. Stephen's latest work, A Quilt for David, which delves into the hidden history of a vulnerable gay man whose life and death were turned into tabloid fodder, is available for purchase now at citylights.com. I thought Madonna was okay, you know, like I, but I really loved it. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I, the interview is over. It has been 
Nice talking to you. <laughs> Until next time, my name is Vic Ravindran, and thank you so much for joining me in the closet space. <laughs>